Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, I really am so glad that you're joining us this weekend. My name is Aaron, and this is... Katie Burt. And we are so pumped that you're with us for part two of our series that we are calling Asking for a Friend Quarantine Edition. This is where we're answering all of your quarantine questions that you guys have submitted based off of answers from God's Word. Yeah, and you might have some questions. So there's going to be a number on the screen. We want you to text any question you might have over the next couple weeks, and Aaron will try his best to answer it. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions that have been submitted that can't be answered in this series. They weren't asked by you, obviously. They were asked by a friend. Questions like, uh, for all my fitness friends out there that are missing the gym, they would ask this question. When I do squats, is it supposed to sound like a goat chewing on an aluminum can filled with celery? Asking for a friend. I don't even know what they're talking about. How about this one, Katie? This, is, this one's really good. I don't know who submitted it. But does anyone know if Rosetta Stone makes a version for successfully talking to women? Asking for a friend. That's awesome right there. And then this other one, I know it's been asked multiple times. And it's quarantine edition. And it's simply this question, what day is it? Asking for a friend, we all have had those questions, but today we're going to talk about a subject that um, we've all dealt with and that we all struggle with, and it's simply titled this. You can write it right there in your notes on the app, or if you're watching on Church Online, you can fill it in. Here's the question we're going to uh, tackle today. It's how do I get an antidote for my anxiety? How do I get an antidote for my anxiety? In other words, how do I get a cure for anxiety? And anxiety is rampant today. So many people are dealing with it. We've all dealt with anxiety in the past, whether it was a job transition or whether it's an issue in your um, marriage or it's a struggle when it comes to figuring out the, uh, the future or maybe your anxiety in February. You got to think of all the anxieties before COVID. Anxiety in February was who are you going to go to the prom with and what college are you going to go to and what, what was your summer vacation going to be like? But then coronavirus happened. And as coronavirus happened, what, what is it? Everything changed and our anxiety ramped up. You know, they're, they're talking about how this is such a unique situation because it's not a one-time incident that's gone. It's not like a 9-11 that happens and then we all deal with it and we all move past it. But no, this is something that has continually been a stressor in our life. And you got to think of what we've gone through in the last couple of months where a plague has hit our hit our nation, hit the globe. There are over a million people have been diagnosed with coronavirus and 70,000 people dead as of this last week. And, and then the stock markets have collapsed and struggles have happened in our finances and people have lost their job. And if that's not enough, then I found out that then there's these murder hornets. This was an actual phrase, I mean an actual article that showed up on my newsfeed. They have arrived in the USA. If there was ever a time for people to be anxious, it is right now, and I'm telling you, the result of it is, is that people are more stressed and more anxious than ever before. Some of you guys were doing okay until I mentioned the, the murder hornets that are out there today. But, but what's, what's the result of it? Let me show you some stats that are pretty overwhelming. They said that weekly prescription for anti-anxiety medicine is up by 30%. They did a poll of people, 
and they said people that are experiencing anxiety symptoms to the level that warrant treatment, that has hit 40%. That means four out of every 10 people that are watching this message right now have anxiety symptoms in their life that would warrant some kind of treatment. Calls into a federal emergency hotline for people in emotional distress since this crisis has happened is up 1,000%. And the estimated suicides, which is a tragic number, of people just in the United States due to the pandemic and due to unemployment, they're estimating it's going to top 18,000 people. What do we do in a season like this? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Philippians, he says, don't be anxious about anything. That's an easy statement to say, a really hard statement to live. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of peace, look at that, he will, he's a God of peace. He will transcend all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. How do we experience peace in this time? Well, we've got to learn how to get an antidote towards our anxiety. And the thing about anxiety is that there's such a stigma in our culture today when it comes to anxiety, especially within the church, where people look down on them. So Katie and I are going to do our best today to remove the stigma. Because when you look at our lives, you think, man, everything's perfect. We got it all together. But the truth of the matter is, you are here today to share a story of how you have dealt with anxiety in a real way, something you probably never thought you would, have, you would deal with in your life. And you went through probably one of the most difficult times in your entire life. And I'm so honored that she's... Uh, agreed to not only speak on a Sunday, but to also share something very personal. Katie's a very private person. And so to share something so personal that we walked through and she had to walk through this last year is huge. So why don't you give people a little bit of insight onto what you went through this last year? Yep. So um, this was about a little less than a year ago, and life was good. Life was normal. We, um, we had four kids. They, they were doing good. Our marriage was good. My relationship with the Lord was awesome. Um, I felt busy, but there had been nothing extreme that was going on, so, so, um, so we carried on as usual. We were actually on vacation one night. I went to bed that night, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I felt like I couldn't breathe. No matter what I did, I could not get a deep breath in. And so being me, being someone who likes to avoid problems and avoid doctors at any cost, I just kind of um, tossed it aside, and I was like, Oh, it's probably just some cold, or I even said it might just be a little bit of stress, but it'll be fine. So it'll be better in the morning, but um, but it wasn't. And then it went on for two days, and it got increasingly uncomfortable. And so finally, Aaron was like, "If you don't call the doctor, I'm going to." So so I did. So I called the doctor. They sent me into the emergency room. I went in. They did all the tests on me. They said there's nothing that's an emergency that's happening. So just follow up with your doctor. So I just want to say. Like, we've never had to go to the doctor, ever, no, for Katie. No. Like, she's the healthiest person ever. So when she's walking around going, Aaron, I literally cannot breathe. I'm thinking she's got some kind of blood clot. She's got some kind of issue. I mean, I'm freaking out about this thing. We're going to the doctors, and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, we couldn't right. find it out. Right, and I just wanted some relief. So I, I was like, I was almost to the point, I just want you to find something so that you can treat it, so you can make right. me feel better. So we went to, over the next few weeks, we went to doctor after doctor, and I got countless tests done and scans and blood work. 
I was hearing all kinds of opinions. It might be a blood thing or hormonal imbalance or respiratory or allergies, all these things. And, but nobody could tell me what it was. One doctor did say it might be anxiety. And I said, there's no way it's anxiety. I wasn't stressed. I was fine. Um, I have a good life. I have a strong faith. That can't be what it is. So I wanted to find the reason for what was happening to me. And um, and it, in the beginning, it was just annoying. I, it was like, this is slowing me down. I don't want to go to the doctor. I want to just continue with everything I need to do. And then over time, when it continued, I got scared. And I was like, I don't know why they can't find what's wrong with me. I just, I need relief. I need them to just figure this out. So I was Googling all this stuff, and, and the fear was real. And then, after a little bit more time, I became terrified. I... There was a darkness I had never experienced before in that fear. And as the fear increased, my symptoms increased. And at one point, it became so painful mentally and physically for me that I honestly thought my days were numbered. I, I just, there, I, to me, there was no way I could physically survive what I was going through. And I was praying all day. In the morning, I woke up and I recited scriptures over myself. All day long, I was praying. At nighttime, I would say scriptures over myself. At night, when I couldn't sleep, because night times were terrible, I would just have earbuds in my ear, and I would listen to worship music, and I knew God was going to heal me. I knew that next morning, I was going to wake up, and, I, this, and everything would be back to the way it was. It would, everything would be normal again. But as time went on, things became more hopeless instead, and I ended up in... Um, in this dark hole that I did not know how to climb out of. I stopped sleeping. I lost a bunch of weight in, in a rapid amount of time. I started having panic attacks, which I've never had before, which scared us, and it exacerbated everything. The impending doom was just so much thicker on me. Everything just seemed out of my control, and I was trying everything, and nothing seemed to help. So, so one day, I'm sitting... Um, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting in this darkness, and I'm watching sermons. because I was watching a lot of sermons then, and, um, and the one I was listening to was on anxiety, and the pastor started talking, and as I listened to him, the things he was saying were so similar to what I was experiencing, and I had been to so many doctors. I had talked to so many people. I had Googled, which was a terrible idea, but I had been trying to do my own research, and um, nothing came close to what I was going through. Until I heard him talk, and, and, and it, it was so close to what I was experiencing. And as he talked, he, he was saying how he had been dealing with all these pressures on his life, all this stress that he hadn't even been, been paying attention to, and he had been running himself into the ground, and, and, and anxiety had developed out of this. And as he was saying all this, it was like the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes, and a peace washed over me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Katie, look at what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. This is what you're going through. And just as I walked him through it, I'm going to walk you through it as well. And wow. so from that moment on, it was just, it was peace. Things changed. And I knew that I needed to stop focusing on the problem. I needed to stop focusing on my symptoms. And I needed to start living with the expectation that God was walking me through it. So you know, and, and just when we went to doctors, so many of them said it's anxiety. But because of our history, and stuff, we just said, there's no way. There's yeah. no way we would deal with this. Yeah. And we had no clue. And this pastor gave the example of like, it was the little things that just built up over time. And when you look back, your life was filled with a lot of stress that you just didn't even know about. And it's almost your body was telling you, finally, it's too much. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, anxiety can happen a lot of ways. So a lot of causes. A couple different um, things that can cause it is one is an extreme stressful event, such as a coronavirus pandemic comes, no. and it's a huge attack to your mind. It starts wreaking havoc on your body. Another way that it can happen is when you have multiple stressors, even minor ones that continue on for over a prolonged period of time. And during this time, your, your body goes into an alarm. It's alerted, yep. and it never has time to rest because one thing is hitting it after another. And, um, and when that happens, symptoms of anxiety can develop. For me, it was shortness of breath. Um, a lot of times, people don't even notice their stress until these physical symptoms wow. develop. I've heard of people saying headaches or body pains or fatigue, irritability, um, no, uh, stomach problems. There's lots of things that can alert us that, that your body is in panic mode. Yeah, and I think it's important for us to understand that even though those things added up, you got to this place of anxiety, you had this moment where you realize, okay, this is real, this is what I'm dealing with, there's a stigma about it, but it's real, um, it wasn't like the next day it was gone. Like, no. no. So that's not what happened. So kind of give us. No, and that, that's what shocked me because I just had always thought if I prayed, if something like this happened, if you have a mental, if you have anxiety or depression and you pray and you have strong faith, then it should go away. They, they can't exist together. But, um, but what I noticed was even when I started walking in peace, the symptoms stayed with me for weeks after that. They got better every single day. They got better and things became easier. And I wasn't walking in the darkness anymore. Which, which helped me get through it so much. But I learned that just as it is a process to create the damage that results in anxiety, it can also be a process healing from anxiety. Huge, so, huge yeah, statement right there. There was just a lot of damage that had been done in my body because of stress. And so I, it took some time to restore that. So what I hope brings you a lot of relief is you have a girl who I believe is probably one of the greatest generals of the faith, loves Jesus way more than I do, this most solid person I've ever known in my faith, and what goes through this trial. So if you're going through it, I just want you to know, this is the message for you to realize you're not crazy. You're not, you're, there's not something wrong with you. It's real life. And, and what Katie's going to do is, what I've asked her to do is to give you an antidote, to give you some solutions to help you walk out of your anxiety into what, what Paul says, like that we would be anxious for nothing, but in everything have peace. How can we have that? And you've put together three things that have really been guardrails for you, helped you over this last coming up on a year, walk in victory. Um, and even when it is struggles come, you put these things into action and you walk in victory. So give us what they are. Absolutely. So the first thing that I had to learn is number one, take care of yourself. Huge. And you know, self-care can be very controversial uh, for Christians and for moms, because we think that Everything is about somebody else. I need to take care of this person, and I go at the very bottom. If there's time, maybe I can take care of myself a little bit. But the problem is that when we're neglecting our physical or our mental health, then we're not stewarding what God's given us, and we really are no use to anybody. You know, it's way. like the airplane illustration that we use so much. You get in the airplane, and it says, listen, if cabin pressure uh, messes up, that mask is going to fall out and put it over yourself first. And as a Christian, but even... Also, as a dad or as a mom, your thought is, no, not over myself. i got to put it over my kids. But the reality is, is the airlines are smart enough to know if you don't put it over yourself, you'll never have the strength to take care of everybody else. And really, what you realize in your life is that you didn't have some boundaries. So people were telling you 
They were setting your schedule. You didn't say no. You were doing this stuff. And what it did is it made it to where you were less effective taking care of the people God wants you to take care of, yeah. the church God's put you at, because you didn't have those boundaries. Yeah. So, so what do we do for that? What, what's your solution? Yep. So the first part of taking care of ourselves is we have to set some limits. Once you realize where your stresses are, what is triggering you, then you know, hey, I need to put a boundary here. I need, a, I need to put a limit here to prevent things from getting out of control again. So, so everybody's going to have different ones. A couple things that, that I have to do now is, one, I can't say yes to everything like you said. I used to do it because I would feel guilty. Um, I felt so pressured. I was always feeling Which guilty. Which means, by the way, she doesn't say yes to me all the time. So like, No, I it, say no a lot. She does. And <laughs> we were supposed to do transitions a couple months ago, and I woke up one Sunday morning. I was like, hey, you ready to go? She's like, no, I'm not going to go today. I was like, I think the whole church wants to you. She's like, They'll be fine. Yeah, mental health. <laughs> yeah, she, and she's, she's done it. And you know what? It's true. It all goes on, and yeah. she's got to have good boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I had just been feeling so much guilt and pressure all the time. So that was a huge one for me, was learning how to say no at times and being okay with it. So um, I do that. Another thing I've learned to do is to rest. And this was hard. I take a day a week now, and that is my Sabbath day. And, um, and I thought this would be impossible because it seems like there's more things to do than there are hours in a week a lot of time. But, um, but I did it. It's a spiritual discipline. And these are days I, I try not to do any work. I try not to clean. I try not to cook anything. I don't do any of my schoolwork or things for Radiant on these days. I just spend the day enjoying my kids, enjoying my family. We have fun, and I don't think about anything else. So Huge. Huge. Yep. Um, one more limit I want to mention is that I limit where I let my mind goes. Yeah. I had no idea how much I worried about things until I became ultra sensitive to it. But I realized there, there were times I was just letting these things I had no control over just ruminate in my mind. And, um, and it got to the point where, where things became out of control. So now when I realize that I'm starting to do it, I just say to myself, Katie, do not dwell on that, and I have to um, switch my thinking to something positive, or I distract myself or something, but I do not let my mind go those places. I, about a month ago, I realized I was going to stop reading any news related to the coronavirus. I was, I was reading it. I was getting worried. I was getting really sad, and so I just cut it out of my life, and now if there's anything important, Aaron is quick to tell me. I'll tell her. He does. But. She found out about the murder hornets today so that she didn't need to know about didn't it but need to know. she's like that's gonna cause some anxiety for you but set those but limits I did, and it's huge. been healthy yeah. all right what's another one so um another thing is for about self-care is you have to get the help you need so huge get people, the help you write people it down are willing to go to the doctor if they have any kind of physical issue but when there's something that's involved with their mental health people are a lot more hesitant and cautious they think they don't need to go or they're ashamed of going but um, but there's no shame in it at all it is it is a healthy thing to do. Oftentimes, there the issue is just because maybe there's just a little imbalance going on chemically, and medication can help sort things out and make things so much easier. Or counseling is a wonderful thing. People who are, are experts at what you're going through, and they can normalize it and understand with you and give you strategies on how to manage this thing effectively. You know, I wrote it down in my notes this way. It's in your notes. Getting help is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. If your marriage is struggling, counseling is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. 
If you're dealing with anxiety, going to a doctor is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. If you're, if you're struggling in your faith, you know, leaning into your small group, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Get the help you need. All right. An antidote for anxiety, number two. What's the next one? Second point is you have to share your struggles with others. And this one was very hard for me. I'm a very internalized person. So anytime I have a problem, no matter what it is, I, I internalize it. I, I um, figure it out for myself. I figure, I rationalize it. I pray about it. I get some direction from the Lord and I work it out. And that's how I've always been. But when this happened, when I was in the middle of this crisis, it ended up way bigger than I was able to handle on my own. And I realized that I had to reach out and I had to be vulnerable with other people. And because God created us for relationships. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times the way he chooses to minister to us is through the love and support of people around us. So I had to go and I had to share with some really close, trusted people, what I was going through. And I'll be honest, it was very hard for me. And I was very embarrassed about it all. But there were times over that next month that I would be in a dark place and I would be crying. And all of a sudden I would get a text from somebody just asking me how I was doing or telling me they were praying for me or I would have somebody, uh, one day I had somebody bring me lunch, and they had no idea that I hadn't even eaten in, in two days. I had somebody bring me a care package one day. My little sister, who was very pregnant at the time, took all four of my kids one night so I could, so I could sleep. And, and, um, and Aaron was my rock during that time. He listened to me, and he was patient. <laughs> and, uh, that's why we got kid number five all the way. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that's inappropriate. <laughs> but, ser- but seriously, like, I thought that our marriage was good before, but when we walked through that together, I never loved him more than that, and our marriage has never been awesome. stronger. So, you, you know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, um, two are better than one um, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, if there's a struggle, there's somebody else to help them up. By the way, that's what the church is all about. That's why you're in your small group. That's why you go through next steps. That's why you're getting plugged in in your location. That's why you're serving on the dream team. Because look what he else says. It says, but pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help them. And you know what? Katie has trusted people around her, her family, um, uh, you know, her friends that she could go to during a very difficult time. And you need that. You go, well, I'm fine right now. You have no clue what the future holds. Build that community around you. Which, by the way, be very careful who you tell your issues to. Because going through this, we learn that a lot of people give a lot of really unsolicited and uneducated advice to people, you know? And, and honestly, it caused a lot more hurt than it did help during those times. And I'll say this just out of love to you. Listen, your experience in this situation does not mean that that's what somebody else's experience is gonna be. So if you, if you read a scripture and it was all gone, don't judge someone else that reads the scripture and it's not all gone. They didn't do it well enough. Or if you went through some kind of program, you know, let people work this out and process. Be there, be a good listener, be a good helper, be a good encourager, speak God's word of them. But let's leave judgment out of this thing. It's, it's made mental health something that should be able to be solved as something that's stigmatized and we need to remove it from the local church in yeah. Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last one and we'll close with this one. Yeah. Point number three And the pivotal point is find hope in God. Psalms 119.92 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And I completely believe this for my own life. Those words resonate with me so much. I 
tried everything. And at the moment when things were the darkest and I was confused and I felt so lost, all of a sudden in those moments I would read a scripture or I would hear a sermon or I would be praying and all of a sudden it would be like a ray of light from the Lord that would just shine through the darkness. There, I went to so many other resources, so much other help during this time, but my breakthrough moment was only found in God. There was one night I was driving in my car and I was very distraught and I was just praying and asking God, why haven't you healed me yet? What's going on? Why am I still suffering? And in that moment, just I got these words that just, that just um, entered my mind and it said, after you have suffered for a little while. And I knew it was a scripture. I thought it was. I couldn't remember how it ended. I had no idea where it was found. But um, I went home and I looked it up and it was 1 Peter 5.10. And as I, as I read it, I knew that this was a promise from the Holy Spirit to me. And I think it's a promise for somebody else that hears it today. It says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And what I heard when I, when I listened to this promise was two things. Number one, was there was hope for my future. This was not my new normal. I wasn't going to be a burden on everybody I met. This was, I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life in this fear and this terror and this pain, but there was hope, and I was going to find an end to it. And the second thing that I learned from the scripture was that there was purpose in the suffering that I was going through. Some reason, for some reason, God had not taken me out of it yet, and he was going to use it. And now that I'm at the end of this, I see that there was so much purpose. And I'm so grateful now that he didn't take me out of what I was going through every single time I asked because I am so much stronger today. That is awesome. I feel like I'm so much wiser. I was, I've always been a compassionate person, but now I have this empathy that goes so much deeper than I ever understood for other people. And, you know, so, so many times as Christians, we think when we have these things, when we go through issues, we should be able to just pray and we should be able to have faith, and all of a sudden, it should just go away. But, um, but I love the story about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. And this was a man, Elijah was a man of prayer, and he was a man of faith who saw incredible things happen. Um, it says in the, in the Bible that, that he prayed that it wouldn't rain all over the land. So it didn't rain for three years. And then he said, okay, Lord, let it rain. And it rained. Elijah prayed for a little boy to come back to life, and the boy was raised from the dead. Then Elijah prayed that God would send fire down from heaven and to show the world who God was. And that's exactly what happened. So he saw these amazing things happen because he prayed and because he had faith. But then right after that occurred, the Bible says that Elijah became afraid. And he ran through the wilderness, and he sat down underneath a broom tree. And at that moment, he prayed, Oh, God, I have had enough. Please take my life. And it's funny, when we're in the middle of our suffering and we're in the middle of our pain, we think we know what we need, and we think we need that instant relief and that, that instant fix from God. But what's interesting is that of all, the, all those big prayers that Elijah prayed, God didn't answer this prayer. Wow. And, and in fact, God never answered the prayer because Elijah never died. God ended up taking him up to heaven in a chariot. But what God did do in that moment was that he sent an angel to meet Elijah where he was. And, and Elijah was able to rest, and the angel fed him. And then the angel said, rest some more. And Elijah did that. And after that, after he tended to his needs, 
the Bible says Elijah was strengthened and he was able to go on even stronger than before. He was able to fulfill his purpose. There was purpose in his suffering. That is un, I'm telling you, this woman can preach right up here. There's so many people that are joining us today and you are in that place and you've asked God, deliver me out of this thing, take me out of this. And it's actually in that moment, underneath that broom tree, right there in your living room, right there in that moment, I believe God wants to minister to you in this moment. And I hope you got it. There is purpose in the midst of your pain. There is, there is something on the other side of this thing. The testimony that Katie's given today, thousands of people are gonna be impacted by it. And I know it was a pain for her and it was a trying time, but what the enemy meant for bad, God's gonna turn it around for the good. And I believe he's gonna do it in your life today. So Katie, we're gonna stand up. We're gonna pray over Radiant Church today. And we're gonna pray for people that are dealing with anxiety and worry and panic. And, and so many people, it's, it's overwhelming. And you think it's too much for you. I believe God is going to minister to you right now in this moment. Katie, why don't you pray it over them right now. Lord, we thank you that you are close, that you are near, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. You are the God of hope. Even in the darkness, Lord, you are there and you bring light to those dark places. Lord, I pray for every single person who's in that, that, that place of need right now, that place of anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, that, that hole, Lord, that they can't climb out of. Lord, I pray that you will be with them in there and you will care for their needs, that you will show them that the best days are ahead of them, that you will bring them healing, Lord, that you will bring them the resources and the help that they need, that you will show them, Lord, that, that they don't have to do this alone. Bring them other people into their lives, Lord. Help them to learn from this. Lord, I pray they'll realize that there is purpose in what they're going through, that you are bringing them out of this so that they can be even stronger than before, that you will restore them and confirm them and strengthen them, Lord, in your mighty name. We thank you, Lord, in advance, and we praise you, Lord. You are our healer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we believe it over everybody in Tampa Bay. God, that the anxiety goes, it is released, and they will walk in victory in Jesus' name name we pray come on let's sing it together one more time let's declare it over our lives Here's what I want, right there, right there in your room. There's a lot of people and you, you go, Aaron, I, I don't have that peace in my life. And I'll tell you your first step, your first step is to give your life to Christ. You'll never experience the peace that God wants for your life when you're living separated from him. What separates us from him? Our sin does. Sin separates us from God. So what's the solution to our sin? We need to be forgiven. How do we get forgiven? We accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice for your sins and for mine. So how do we accept it? It's easy. Solution. 
It's a simple yet significant decision to turn from your life and follow God. The Bible calls it repentance, leaving your way, following God and saying, God, I'm done doing life my way. I'm ready to live for you. And it's a simple act of surrender that lays your life down and says, I'm ready to live for God. And the result is that you'll experience God's peace in your life. That's you today. Today's your day to surrender your life to Christ. You can click right there on church online. Today, I'm raising my hand. I'm giving my life to Christ. You can do it right there on Facebook. Just type it in there in the comments. I'm giving my life to Christ today. Today's my day. If you're on YouTube, just write it right there in the comments. I'm giving my life to Christ. We're believing for you right now that all over our nation, there's people who are giving their life to Jesus, experiencing his peace because they're seeing that relationship restored because they are forgiven. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I turn to you. I want your peace. Forgive me for my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do life your way. I thank you for the freedom that you offered me because of what you did on the cross. And I look forward to spending an eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate. Your lives being changed all over. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 